Welcome to AEM Early Access, a podcast of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine and the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Patients with limited English proficiency, or LEP, LEP, have been shown to experience disparities in their care in the emergency department. Today, we're looking at a new paper in AEM entitled Association of Limited English Proficiency with Emergency Department Irregular Departures and Return Visits, a cross-sectional cohort study in the upper Midwest between January 2018 and December 2021. Senior author Dr. Derek Jones is here to discuss it with us. Derek Jones, MD, MBA, MHI, is an attending in the Department of Emergency Medicine at the Mayo Clinic. He received his MD, MBA from Dartmouth College and his Master's in Health Informatics, or MHI, from Northwestern University. He's dual-boarded in emergency medicine and clinical informatics and leads the department's work in data analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. He also leads Mayo Clinic's Real-Time Location Services Program. He is from Chihuahua, Mexico, and speaks Spanish and English natively, and we are so happy to have him here with us to discuss this paper. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the publisher for a limited time. Dr. Jones, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. It's so great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you note in your introduction to this paper that Patients who have limited proficiency in English often face disparities when seeking medical care. Can you first tell us a little bit about that data and those disparities? Yes, I'd be happy to. So in the literature that we reviewed, we found several interesting examples of these disparities. Uh, So one of them are disparities that uh, patients experience in receiving pain medications related to the English, the language that they speak. Mm -hmm. And that's true for hospitalized pediatric patients with fractures. Mm -hmm. We also found examples in the literature in the ICU setting where patients with limited English proficiency uh, experience barriers to end-of-life care, providing those services, or even just having enough medically uh, accurate and pertinent information uh, to make those decisions. Um, And that's borne out through different studies that look at audio taped components of family conversations in the ICU. Okay. Other things that we've seen as well is um, the literature in general, for example, the stroke literature uh, is showing that language is often not included uh, as a primary variable or that it's this population at many times is explicitly excluded or not included in these studies. What data is there specific to emergency medicine? Yeah, so specific to emergency medicine, we know that uh, patients with limited English proficiency have higher rates of diagnostic testing. Uh, So they have more x-rays, ultrasounds. We also know that patients that are presenting for cardiac chief complaints have higher rates of stress Mm -hmm. testing. Uh, We generally know that they also have higher admission rates. And then directly related to some of our interests in this paper, we know that pediatric patients have higher rates of ED revisits with admissions, and the adult population has also identified that in in some studies. Okay, so that brings us nicely to your study. What questions were you hoping to answer with this study? 
So our study was focused on specifically looking at this population, the limited English proficiency population, and uh, associations with three different outcomes. The first was the revisit rates at 72 hours and seven days. The 72-hour revisit rate is a common quality metric that's followed uh, nationally. We extended it a bit to follow out a week uh, just to see if there were any differences between those time periods. Uh, we also wanted to study the impact or the associations on irregular departures, also something that can be a marker or an indicator of lapses in systems uh, or uh, quality of care. And then finally, it was the impact on the disposition at the return visit uh, directly related to hospitalization. Okay. All right. So let's talk um, briefly about your methods. What can you tell the audience about those? Well, our methods were to study a broad population. It's a cross-sectional cohort study, a multi-center study as well. Uh, it includes 18 different emergency departments in the upper Midwest. These are in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So across these two states, and it includes a large variety of practices ranging from tertiary quaternary academic center uh, to, to comprehensive community centers, mid-sized mid community practices, as well as critical access sites uh, in, our, in our network of uh, emergency departments. Directly relating to the methods, we used generalized estimating equations. Uh, simply speaking, these allow us to account for patients who have multiple encounters over a year so that we can tease out the effects on the patient basis, not purely on that encounter basis. So, all right, before we get into the, the meat of your results, um, tell us a little bit more about the patient enrollment and the characteristics of the patient group that you ended up with. Yeah, absolutely. So we took all of the arrivals in a three-year period uh, between uh, 2018 and 2021 in these 18 emergency departments. We ended up having 1.2 million encounters. Um, of those, it was around 500,000 visits. And then we applied some exclusion criteria, uh, things like research authorization being declined or patients that were frequent uh, visitors to the emergency department, six or more visits a year. Uh, patients who did not have a known primary language documented, um, and also patients for this study that were not discharged on that first visit. Relating to some of the patient um, characteristics, we found that the limited English proficiency uh, patient population tended to be a bit younger, uh, similar profile, similar composition of gender, male, female, non-binary. Um, higher rates of uh, Black, African-American, and Asian population, higher rates of Hispanic ethnicity. Um, higher, the insurance components were, were uh, very uh, interesting as well. Much higher rates of Medicaid, much higher rates of self-pay in, in the LEP population. Uh, and so among those patients with limited proficiency in English, what were the most common languages in your cohort? Um, what were the most common languages that they preferred? And what percentage of them required an interpreter? Yeah, good question. So the percent that required an interpreter was um, around 78% of those who were LEP patients. So 20, 20 plus percent did not. Uh, the most common language by far was Spanish, and that would be similar to other uh, LEP studies that we looked at. Mm -hmm. I think what made this study um, a bit unique was the uh, inclusion of um, several other languages that stood out. So we found high rates of Somali speaking, um, Arabic speaking, 
uh, Karen, uh, Hmong, and Vietnamese, uh, some East Asian uh, languages, uh, some African languages, and some Middle Eastern uh, languages. And some of this has to do with the refugee uh, resettlement programs that uh, Minnesota has and the, and the population mix that we have here. Okay. So you analyzed the association of LAP or limited English proficiency with irregular departures from the emergency department, 72 hour and seven day return visits and ED disposition at the time of that return visit. So first, what did you find regarding limited English proficiency and irregular departures? Yeah, so regular departures it, in our literature review was was a new outcome. It was not something that we found previously reported, uh, specifically mm -hmm. the impact of or the associations of uh, LEP and irregular departures. We found that we had similar rates of those. Uh, to unpack that a little bit, it includes uh, elopement, leaving against medical advice, left without being seen or left mm -hmm. before treatment complete. Mm -hmm. uh, by far, the most common regular departure is left without being seen. Um, and that's similar to other studies that we looked at. Uh, but what we found in this study is that there was not an impact. There was not an increased risk across this population, both in a univariable and a multivariable model. Okay. Interesting. So uh, how about then 72-hour and seven-day returns and the ED dispositions at those times? Right. So at the 72-hour point, we did not find any differences uh, similarly with the seven-day uh, return. Um, and that is a, an interesting finding that is uh, different from some of the other previously uh, reported uh, mm -hmm. research. Uh, again, it applies to this Midwest, uh, somewhat in many cases, rural population and, and these unique language sets. Um, we also looked at adult versus pediatric populations. So we included both, both together and separately and didn't find differences there. What we did find, though, was a higher rate of admission on that revisit encounter, both at the 72-hour and 7-day rate, 7-day uh, return visit. Mm -hmm. And it's around a 30% increased odds uh, or risk at, of mm -hmm. admission amongst yeah. that population. All right. Well, that's significant. Were you surprised by the other data that showed... <laughs> No difference. I think. I think I was surprised personally. We expected to find uh, an increased risk of the revisit rate, uh, so that was a bit surprising to us. Um, the increased admission rate, I think, was a pertinent finding um, that lines up with our experience. Um, and we did. It was interesting also to note the impacts of the insurance components. And so, as mm -hmm. I mentioned previously, we had higher rates of self-pay and higher rates of left without being seen amongst the left population. And when we include that in the model, we find that on an adjusted basis, we, we do find an increased odds of admission at that revisit. But it actually falls out when you don't include it in the model. Uh, so those those components, I think, need a further study, uh, but also do add significantly to this question in the literature in this space. Oh, well, that leads me to my next question, which is what would you like readers of this study to take away from this paper and what would you like to see come next? Yeah, I think the one of the primary takeaways is that prior studies have somewhat focused on urban single center sites. And so these findings are generalizable uh, to a broad network that includes different sized emergency departments, as well as rural centers across the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. 
Um, I think also the size of our population helps us clarify some of the discrepant results that we'd seen in prior literature mm. and perhaps lend some ability to have more power uh, to look at that question. Yeah. Um, additionally, it adds data for specific populations, the Somali, Arabic, Karen, and Hmong speaking populations, uh, inclusive of areas of Africa, Southeast Asia, and the Middle East, at least the origins of, the, of those languages. Uh, so that would be something that um, is, a, is a main takeaway. And also I would like to see in the future replication of this study in other centers that may or may not have the same scope of language translation services uh, that, that we had documented in, uh, in, at our organization and that we uh, implemented our organization. I think at a higher level, I think future work, I would love to see some of that ICU uh, or surgery um, outcome work done with this population in the emergency department, specifically pain medications, I think would be an important question to ask, um, as well as uh, the impact on end-of-life discussions or planning for end-of-life uh, in this population. I, I also think that there are significant overlaps with some of the uh, components that we found in this study, including the impact of insurance or self-pay on um, on on the LEP population, and I think this has overlays into the social determinants of health. Uh, so the ability to pay for healthcare or have access to appropriate healthcare for patients by their by their primary spoken language, I think has significant uh, impact. And also, I'd love to see that studied more. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones, for this work. Um, I think it's it's going to be really useful. You know, a lot of a lot of institutions that don't have um, that sort of access to interpreters, we're we're just really scratching the surface of the needs of these populations. And so, I think this is very informative. Thank you so much for your work. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.